Welcome to Doggy Dish, where two of LA's best dog trainers serve up a hearty helping of dog topics. At the end of this podcast, we'll provide information on how to contact our trainers. And now, here they are. Hi, this is Laura Brahini from Animal Attraction Unlimited. And I'm Kim Reinhart with Nate Misbehaving Canine. Welcome to another fun-filled episode of our podcast. <laughs> Podcasts. Podcasts. I'll see, usually I'm the one who makes that I mistake. Know. My turn to mess up this time. Today, I thought we would talk a little bit about voice inflection. And by voice inflection, I mean as it applies to dog training. So, you know what I mean, right, Laura? I think I might. Like, do you know what I mean, Laura, or not? You sound angry. (laughs) Yes, I do. Should I be taking offense? Should I be running for the hills? (laughs) I don't know if you were my dog, would you? Yeah, probably. Yes. Well, Yeah, I would be doing some appeasement behavior and avoidance. Yes. So, this, this illustrates the point, which is how often people, when they're working with their dogs, don't really consider their voice and the message that their voice inflection sends, rather than the command that they're giving. They give a command and they think because that word is familiar to the dog, quote unquote, that it's going to mean something, but in reality, the thing that has the most meaning to your dog is voice inflection. Yeah, tone of your voice. And two of my favorite examples are come and stay. Mm-hmm. We tend to be really angry at our dog or sound really angry at our dog when we tell them to come and stay. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Come. Come here. Come here. And we think that we have to be authoritative and that the dog isn't going to listen to us unless we sound like we mean it. And typically, if you watch a dog when someone is saying, come, the dog is going, oh, I don't right. think so. Right. And they start, <laughs> and some of them might start sniffing the ground. Yeah. And then the people think that they're avoiding the dog. I mean, that the, that the dog is avoiding them and ignoring them when in actuality the dog is saying, calm down. Well, and the dog to a certain extent is avoiding them because yeah. on, in all honesty, it, they sound mean and they sound angry. And who wants to run up to somebody who's mean and angry and I liable know. to be punitive? Yeah. So they are avoiding, but they're not avoiding out of stubbornness. They're avoiding because... You're giving them good reason to to avoid. Yeah, it's their nature to go, I mean, you sound angry, so I'm going to stay as far away from you as possible. That's the way they would handle another dog. Yeah, and it's the way we would handle another person. Yes. I mean, if I had a boss, thank God I don't, (laughs) but if I had a... If I had a boss... Well, you do. You just like her a lot. I do. Yes, I do. Yes, her her name is Laura, by the way. You and she get along really, really, really well. We do. You know, occasionally we have disagreements, but for the most part, for the most part, we're we're okay. We're both self-employed, by the way. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, if I had a boss who said, Laura, get in here right now. What are the chances? I know. I would be in a hurry to get in there, and I would be happy to do so. I know. Even if I even if I were intimidated and felt felt like rushing in there, I would not be doing it with a big smile on my face. Well, actually what I find interesting is you you were t- you were mentioning come and stay. And what I find interesting is that people typically say come <laughs> in this really aggressive sounding voice. And then when they say say they that when they tell their dog to stay, they go stay. <laughs> right, right. Which sounds, and the high pitch. Yeah, which right. sounds like something that would inspire movement right. and, and excitement. But the other way is that I hear people all the time, and I see them all the time going, stay, stay, with a nasty look on their face and, a, and an angry tone in their voice. And the dog is going, well, obviously what I'm doing now is not making you very happy. Right. So I should move and there's to a di- make you happy. And there's a difference between angry sounding and firm sounding. Yes. You can say, stay. And sound with confirm and, right. sa- and sound like you mean it mm-hmm. without sounding angry. Right. Stay, stay, very firm versus right. stay, which sounds angry and scary and right. isn't 
typically would inspire your animal to go, I'm getting the heck out of here because right. you're scaring me. And especially because we tend to do that when we're just teaching a dog a word. Mm-hmm. And so they don't know that, okay, this is actually what we mean. Right. Right? They haven't learned the word yet. So the word stay means nothing to them. And so all they know is that we're doing something and we're sounding angry about it. Right. So they get caught up in trying to figure out what it is that we're emotional about, what their response needs to be in response to this high emotion. Right. And so even if they are doing the stay correctly, they're going to change what they're doing to try to change the tone in your voice. Right. Voice inflection is hugely instrumental in getting a dog to do what you want to do. Typically when I'm teaching, I try to get people to... sound happy and Mm -hmm. upbeat when they're trying to give the dog some kind of direction or some kind of cue for a movement so that if they want to get the dog to get up and move such as come I want them to sound happy in fact when I was teaching and perky and lively when I was teaching group classes I would preface it this way by saying okay in your happiest cheerleader mickey mouse club voice i want you to call your dog come i mean i really wanted to hear people sound happy because we wanted the dog to feel like getting to them would be a good thing there's my best friend and they're in a good mood and they're calling me to come to them right i'm happy to do so this is going to be a good thing conversely when you're trying to teach a dog to stay I don't sound aggressive, I don't think. But I do encourage people to use a quieter, more calm, calming sound mm-hmm. and inject some firmness. Stay. Right. Confidence. S- yes. Sounding right. like... that confidence is like, I'm telling you to do something and I'm assuming you're going to do it. Right. Stay. I'm not going to have to sit here and hover over them right. and put my hand in their face and lean into them and stare them down right. to make them stay. Well, that'll be a whole other podcast because I have a lot to say about people who hover over their dogs. Yes. And I agree with you completely, by the way. That's not, it's just me saying. But the, but that she has a lot more to say. <laughs> well, it's, it's, a, that's another biggie. But voice inflection has a lot to do with it. There are various, when people are, are telling a dog to heal, I don't do a lot of heel work, but if I do a lot of loose leash walking when I teach people, and that's a little bit less uh, confining, strict, regimented than heel work, but if I want a dog to go forward because I'm asking for movement, but I don't want the dog to go away over the top, I will typically instruct people to use a happy but neutral tone. Heel. It sounds friendly, but it's not the big, excited, happy... Right. It's not... Heel means take off running. Right. It's not the cheerleader Mickey Mouse one. Right. Right. (laughs) It's it's a more relaxed, but yet inviting sound. But I think, especially when I first go to work with people, and I'm sure you have the same set of circumstances, or when I see people out working with their dogs or, or dealing with their dogs... They don't realize how much their voice conveys what's going on with them, and they don't realize how much information it feeds to their animals. Regardless of what the word is that's coming out of their mouth, their body language and their voice inflections say a lot more than that single word. They give the they give the majority of clues. You know, one of the myths I think of dog training is that dogs respond to words. If you've really done a lot of work with your dog and you've really really worked on teaching them the specificity of a word, mm-hmm. you can get a dog to understand a cue that's the word as a cue. Right. But most dogs, I think, and and you can tell me if you disagree with this, but 
I'm giving you permission to tell me. I will. (laughs) Believe me, I will. I know you will. I have confidence in you on that one. But most dogs learn about, they learn a cue based not only on the word, but also what is your body language when you deliver that cue Mm -hmm. and what is your voice inflection. And they take those actually as larger clues as to what you want than inflection. So what you'll find is a dog, what I find is that You'll have a dog that you think understands a cue, but if you change the inflection a lot or you change the position of the body language, you have a dog that actually has not learned that clue. Right. And I know you're going to throw in the dog training lingo for this one. Go for it, Laura. Well, well, no, no, no. Actually, I wasn't. I was just going to say because dogs are masters at reading body language. That's what they do. That's how they survive. That's how they survive with other with other dogs. It's how they keep from getting into into arguments with other dogs is by reading that very, very subtle body language. And so there's a lot of stuff that we do that we don't realize we do that becomes part of the cue. And the interesting thing about what you just said, and I say it the same way, is the subtle body language. But, you know, that's our interpretation of what it is. And mm-hmm. that's why we, we talk about that to other people as subtle. I don't think to a dog our, our body language is subtle at no, all. No, I think all. to a dog it is is glaringly, yeah. yes, glaringly yeah. obvious and, and speaks volumes. Right. If you pay attention to dogs and the way that they communicate with each other, the verbal part of it is like the last resort. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And what I meant by subtle was subtle between each other. No, I, I, I use the same, okay. you know, I use the same term. I right. absolutely use the same term. I say subtle when I'm talking to people because to us it seems subtle because right. we're very clued in on what you say. We're verbal. We right. are, we are right. a verbal society. Right. right. But dogs, for dogs, that's the, that's the lowest. That's the, that's the, that's the subtle part of it. Right. That's the very subtle part of it. The really obvious part for a dog is body language. Mm-hmm. Next up on the scale would be inflection. How do right. you sound when you're doing it? And so words become, which is really interesting, words become actually kind of superfluous sometimes. Yeah. And it's funny because how many times have you worked with people where, probably less so, because I, I find this less with the pet people that I work with, but I know that when I used to work in competition, people were always looking for ways to improve their competition dogs. Mm-hmm. And if you had a dog that worked really well and you used different verbal cues, mm-hmm. just because you taught different verbal cues, they would pick up on that verbal cue as if the word itself had some sort of magic. And I was right. continuously saying, there is no magic to that word. Right. You can use whatever word. If you right. want to use the word Rumpelstiltskin, you can use it. There is no magic to it. It's how you train it, how you deliver it, and really how much work you've done. Here's a great example. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, I used to do some movie stuff a little bit, mm-hmm. and good, very good friend of mine is a very well-known movie trainer, and she has a French accent. Mm-hmm. And when I first met her, I would look at her and watch her dogs and go, how do they understand what she's saying? Because she has this heavy, heavy French accent, <laughs> you know, that you have to, like, listen really slowly to her talk in order to understand right. what she's saying. So for you. Out. Right, for me. And so I'm going, I'm thinking to myself, how do the dogs understand what she's saying? Because she says, instead of saying, pick it up, she's pick it up or whatever it is with her accent. It's like, how does the dog understand? And then it's like, duh, Laura. It was like such a light bulb moment right. because that's what she taught. Right. They were used to her voice. And she actually ended up being on a set somewhere where one of the actors had to give the dog the cue. And he had to say it with a French accent because the dog wouldn't do it otherwise. Right. Because that's the way they learned it. Right. However, probably if you picked up the body language and the voice inflection, although she may have taught really great verbal cl- uh, yeah. cues. Yeah. And really done her, I'm sure she did yeah. really do her work. But 
it's funny. I don't know about you. I relish those light bulb moments. Yeah. I love to look back at those and realize there was a moment where suddenly the light bulb went off and I went, oh, yeah. Duh. Wow. Okay. <laughs> right. I just uncovered this big, you know, this big clue, this big mm-hmm. piece of information that is so important and right. so pivotal. And then it makes it hard, like on those dogs that she would train, another trainer would like take the dog to work on a commercial or wherever and that dog would then have to get used to that trainer's words because they sounded different than what he originally right. learned. Right. Because he was really, really well trained. But with our pet dogs, a lot of times what they're picking up on are the subtleties of our body language and our voice. Right. So that's probably much more prevalent in that situation where right. she did such a good job training them that they actually were picking up the cue as the word. But how many times have you gone to work with a dog where the person says, oh, yes, he does know sit. But if you watch the person cue the dog into a sit, there's body language involved. Oh, yeah. There's there's voice inflection. There's all these other things. And if you were to just look at the dog and say sit the calmly, dog the dog right. wouldn't have a clue. Right. They would you not know, have a clue. It does remind me, and I know we're talking about voice inflections, but all mm-hmm. of this stuff about subtle body language reminds me of the story of Clever Hans, the horse right. who could count, who could do complicated math equations. And they tested it. They had people out. They tested it. Oh, my gosh, he does do this. And the way that he would do it is that he would, you know, paw the ground for the answer. And they found out that the owner of the horse, who this was all inadvertent on his part. Unintentional, right. Right. Thank you, unintentional. Yeah. That he would, because he knew what the answer was, he would stand there and in anticipation of the horse coming up on the right answer, he had his eyebrows raised. Mm Mm-hmm. And then when he when the horse got to the last one, he would relax his eyebrows and the horse would stop counting. Right. That became the cue for the horse to count. Right. So that and it took them a long time to figure out that's what was cueing the horse. Well, I think we're gonna have to put something else on our board of, of topics to cover, which is cues and how much those could be varied because that's that's definitely something that we'll cover in the future. But when it comes to voice inflection, a lot of times if you start to edit yourself or you start to really pay attention to what you're doing, you'll realize that you need to make a subtle change in the way that you speak to your dog. Most of the time, I know for me, most of the time when I cue my own dogs, I don't do it consciously. I'll say, come. That's just the way I say it. But that may be a habit that you've basically I've developed over a period of time. Sure, I consciously developed that habit. Or if I tell them to sit, sit. It doesn't sound angry, but it sounds firm. And it certainly sounds different than come. Exactly. And doing something like that really is something that has to kind of be a default behavior on our part. Because, like, if your dog gets out of the house and starts running down the street, our natural response is going to be, come, come back here right Right. now. It's going to be angry. And then usually what happens is the dog then, when you eventually get the dog, then you're angry with the dog, which then supports the fact that the dog wasn't going to come back when you sounded angry because obviously you were. Right. Well, I I think that the two places that it is the biggest deal is a recall and a stay. We have our ways of going about it, Mm -hmm. our little trainer ways. But I know that people that I work with or people that I watch, that's the big thing. One of the problems that people have is if they feel that their dog is going to run away. Yeah. And, their, and their dog gets loose and they're afraid that their dog is going to run away. And so they start to call the dog. But instead of calling the dog like they're happy and excited, yeah. there's something great to come back to. They start, they put all that stress and all that freaked yeah. out worry into their voice and they say, 
Fluffy, come, come! And it's almost a guarantee that the dog dog is not not going to come back. There's such excitement. There's such anxiety. There's such a bundle of energy and nerves in that tone Mm -hmm. that it's almost like cheering your dog on. Run from me! Run from me! Come, come! Right. <laughs> because really, that's what you're going to get, as opposed to turning around and calling the dog, Fluffy, come on! Right. Then you have to, uh, no, you have to take a breath and you have to go, okay, got to be calm now. Got to yes. get the dog back to me. Yes. We got to really make him think like, oh, it's not a big deal, because as soon as it gets to be a big deal, how many times have you had, like, let's say the DWP guy gets, needs to get in your backyard or the gr- the gardeners show up mm-hmm. at their different day or different time or whatever and your dog's in the backyard and you need to get the dog in your house Mm -hmm. as soon as you start going come on get inside the dog's playing a a keep away game right or going no you're not going to catch me no you're not going to catch me because now suddenly it's important yes because that panic in your voice sounds like an invitation to keep away it sounds like an invitation to let's play it's not play but let's do the chase game because that's what it sounds like and they learn very quickly that when you get that tone of voice you've lost your power, you have no control, and you're going to be running after them momentarily. And so you convey all that just with the voice inflection. Your your command hasn't changed. The cue, the word that you use hasn't changed, but the way that you deliver it has. I remember once I got home from being out and about, and uh, the gardeners, which I shared with the neighbor, was parked in front of the gardener's house. So it didn't occur to me that they were at my house. I thought they were right. at my neighbor's house. So I went in the house, and my pit bull was running around the house going, i got to go outside, i got to go outside. And she was really lovely and very, very reliable in the house. So mm-hmm. I thought she was having a five-alarm fire and that she really needed to go potty. Right. So I ran to the back door. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Come on, let's go, let's go. Yeah, yeah. And I ran to the back door, and I opened the door, and as I... <laughs> As I swing the door open and she's running, she's going, finally, she's going to let me get this guy. I swing the door open and the gardener is standing right there outside my house, outside my door, uh, cutting some fronds or off the of the palm right of a palm tree we had and as i swing the door open and i realize of course you know adrenaline surges right. through my body because right. i basically have served and the gardeners as well i'm sure yes oh yes well he was so great i'll tell you about him but anyway but this adrenaline surges through my body because i'm thinking you know i just served him up on a plate basically i yeah. said to her, okay come on come on come on let's go outside yeah so i yes i agree it's important the- you get out there to get this guy <laughs> So I swing the door open, and she goes bolting out, and as she starts out the door, I yelled her, no! Right. (laughs) And it did sound scary. I did sound scary. In that situation, the voice inflection worked for me. Yeah. Because that no was so... I didn't sound panicky. I, I, I felt panicky, but I didn't sound panicky. I sounded scary. Right. Because <laughs> I put my best... Because I have the, the, the trainer reflex. Right. And so I put on the scary kibosh voice right said, no right <laughs> luckily for me my gardener at the time who was really savvy and i gotta give him credit he just very calmly he he had a palm front in his hand and he just very calmly kind of pulled it over to in front of him and stood there calmly anyway she, nothing happened she came in the house she was like oh shoot darn it yeah <laughs> but it was one of those situations where luckily for me that inflection was a default for me. And so the big no voice. But the various ways that you can do a voice inflection, let's hear some of yours. Laura? Sorry, I I sound, I know, I know. It's like I'm sitting here listening to your story in a nice (laughs) little daze over here listening, and then suddenly you point to me and go, your turn. Uh, (laughs) Well, okay, uh, I'll do a couple. I'll do a couple, and then you And then let me interrupt. 
Okay. <laughs> yes, you you start that. off and then I'll interrupt. <laughs> okay, cool. Cool. We got a plan. Um, well, as I said, one of mine is come. When I'm just schooling people, I tell them when you call your dog, sound happy. Sound right. up. Absolutely. Sound like this is a good thing. For stay, I encourage people to use that calm but controlled voice. Stay. Right. And not, not chanting. Yes. Not stay. Stay. And not stay. 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 And you got to do the face too. But the face has got to be calm yes. and confident. Yes. And, and your body language. And we'll go into yeah. all that. But that voice inflection needs to be calm. Stay. It sounds like I mean it. But right. not like I'm scary. Right. If I'm telling a dog to sit, sit. I use an uptone because I, I think too. that using an uptone helps the dog feel confident. That that in- encourages them to. Clearly, nothing's wrong when I say sit down. When I say down, there's a little bit more of a downtone to it. That's because yeah. I'm asking for a, a for a down, and there's there's that voice inflection down. But there's not down. Right. <laughs> it's it's right. not scary sounding. Those are the most common, right? Yeah. If I'm cueing for a... Sit, stay, down, heel, come. I think we hit them all. Heel. So let's hear yours. Come on, let's hear your voice. Well, okay. So like I would go... Show us your sexy dog trainer voice. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that. But wait, wait. I need a cold for that one. I need to have a cold, you know, just getting over a sore throat for that one. To be continued. Um, Okay. Yeah, really. Wait, wait till I have a cold. So let's see. I usually say, I say come if my dog already knows it. If I'm teaching it. Yeah, I probably do about the same. Come or, yeah, it sounds kind of high pitched. Mm-hmm. I don't think I do it kind of as sing song as you do, like come. Right. I don't think I do it like that. Right. Um, stay is usually stay, or stay depending on the dog. Right. Because some dogs, some dogs, if you use a too deep voice, they're if they're really soft dogs, they melt. Yes. Exactly. And I don't want to do that because I want them to be confident right. in their stay. So you kind of have to be careful with that. Right. And I also make sure that, like, especially if I'm going back to reinforce the stay, that it's stay nice and calm and long and mellow, not, not real short and, like right. you said, high-pitched. Right. Down, I usually say down or lie down. And if I really want my dog to do it, I'll go lie down. Right. Or I'll go lie down. And when you're teaching a new dog? When I'm teaching a new dog, I say down. Okay. I just say it just like that. Okay. I don't know. I don't usually like to draw out stuff except for like stay just because the word sounds like the meaning. Right. But down is short and I want their down to be quick. Right. And sit is usually sit. I think that's how I say it. And heel, I don't use, like you, I don't usually word, use the word right. heel. Because when a dog is on a leash, they shouldn't be pulling. Right. And most dogs, there's no need for them to be that close to you anyway. And if I did, I would teach the word close. I just right. don't like the word heel, just because of where it came from. It's interesting. Your voice inflection is a little more neutral than mine. Mm-hmm. I think, and I think, to be honest with you, you have not taught group classes, have you? No. This came from group classes. I realize as we're talking and as, I, as I'm listening to you that a lot of what I came from with all this heavy-duty... You had to over-exaggerate because there were so many people? Because I had such a wide variety of people right. and I had people who would, would issue... I had to make it very obvious, obvious yeah. because I had people that would be so the opposite of what I was trying to get them to do that I... It's like saying, you know, in your happiest cheerleader Mickey Mouse Club voice, right. I and mean, that's pretty extreme. And they still don't hear the difference. That's right. But I needed to almost make it silly or funny to get people to really understand you have got to change what you're doing. Because when you have a group of 12 to 15 people and they're saying, come! <laughs> right. And, you know, it's really difficult to get people to turn around to a happy tone of voice, especially if you can't work with them individually. With individual clients, it's a little bit easier. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. much. And I think you made a good point in that they don't realize 
what they're saying. I think that some people don't hear. They think that they're saying it the way you want because they can't hear themselves. Right. They really, really think they are saying it in the way that you are telling them to, and they're just not right because they don't hear the difference. Well, the last thing, because I see we're time-wise we're getting towards the end here, but the last thing that I really wanted to touch on was the tone of voice that you use for praise or for telling a dog that they've made a mistake. Mm-hmm. There are times when, for me anyway, there are times when I have to give a dog the information that they've made a mistake or that they're dancing close to the line and they could be getting in trouble. Right. If they make a mistake, I might deliver it in a calm voice. No. But if they're dancing towards the edge and I think that they That's need to know time. that, that yeah. yeah, then I have to make a sound. No. Right. Oh. Something something that sounds severe. Right. And that's um, that brings up a good point in that I don't I don't usually use the word no to mm-hmm. my dogs unless it's a running towards a freeway on ramp type of mm-hmm. you know situation. And that way they know that I really mean business because it's not a word that they hear all the time. I think that some people say the word no for every little thing rather than giving information. Right. Because no gives no information at all. Well, it does if you've taught it. It Just as wrong does. Right. Right. But, I mean, for my dogs, you know, I'll go, uh uh-uh or... Or, oh, that's a bummer for you, whatever. But no, if I use the word no, my dogs flatten out to the ground and go, oh, my God, I hope she's not talking to me. So that is your big no. It is my big no. That is your big bad thing. Right, Right. it is. Because I don't use it very often. Because just, okay, but that brings up the point that I made, which is that there really isn't power in words. Because your dogs have learned no as my my nasty sound. Oh, Right? right, my scary sound. Right. Whereas your calmer sound or your your idea, your information is bad for you or bummer for you or whatever it is that and mine is no that's an informational word but that's that's that kind of makes my point which is the words are not the magic what's the magic is how you've taught them and how you deliver what its meaning is right and then the other one and this one's really near and dear to my heart so i gotta get to it is praise because praise is a funny thing a lot of times i know again when i was teaching group classes that but this happens with private clients too Mm -hmm. that that sometimes you'll get people who are a little uncomfortable being really silly yeah i mean i'm not you know what i think that dogs love it and so i'm real animated and real demonstrative and and just goofy as i'll get out and i'm sure that everyone looks at me like i'm crazy lady but the dogs dig it so they do but it has nothing to do with your dog training (laughs) it does too shut up (laughs) (laughs) enough out of you okay you're 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 talking privileges have been rescinded now (laughs) you're probably right anyway um but the thing is that dogs really get into an animated happy sound so if you're giving praise when you give praise if you use an uptone and i know for men this is sometimes more difficult it is. I, I run into but there's another men. way for men to deal men with will it. say good boy which doesn't really sound very good no, it, doesn't. <laughs> it sounds a little scary yeah if you're just taking your cues from voice inflection mm-hmm. that doesn't sound very scary so then i try to get them to use a more of an uptone so i'll say tell him tell him he's good but use a use a happier mm-hmm. you know and then they'll go Good boy! Right, <laughs> right. still sounds a little Which, scary, yeah. not realizing that if they give that praise in a happy tone, mm-hmm. just like you were saying something happy to someone. Good boy! Nice! Good job! Every, it doesn't matter. The words aren't important. What's what's important is how you the deliver The tone of your it. voice, exactly. You, you could be saying anything. I'm going to take you to the vet today. That's I am. <laughs> You're going to go to the vet. You're going to get shots. Oh, it's going to be such a good time. Guess what? Your dog is going to be wagging his tail. Yes. But a way that men can get around that gruff-sounding sounding tone is that they can 
Because, you know, dogs, when they play together, they do some growling, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. So yes. there is a way for a man to, to figure out how to talk to the dog, but still get the dog's tail wagging. Well, and it's not that the low sound is the problem. What's the problem is the, the inflection. way, yes, is the inflection, is the subtlety the inflection. So you can gl- deliver, good boy, good boy. Right. And sound happy. Oh, or that's you can such say, a good dog. Oh, you're so good. Good boy. Right. Which doesn't sound real good. The right. other thing is, I think that bringing sincerity into a praise mm-hmm. is a really important thing. Yes. And I know for me, that's one of my pet peeves, is when people say, good dog, but they don't mean and it. And they think, yeah, and they good think dog. that the dog gets it. Yeah. But they're not saying, good dog. They're right. not really telling the dog they're good. I know for me, that part of the way that I've... Uh, learn to work with animals and I think it's very helpful is I truly feel a sense of gratitude when the dog gets it right I'm very pleased yes and so I just convey that honest feeling and that sincerity in dogs really they pick up on it they yeah, get it, it they comes do out. they know and people think out. that they don't know but they know but you know what we forgot something really important and we're at like 30 minutes and I, but I got to go over here because I I do have to say that one of the things and one of the reasons that I originally wanted to cover voice inflection is because I think people don't realize how much their voice inflection affects their dogs when their dogs are in situations that are frightening mm-hmm. or just putting them off. And what you said about the vet really made a good point. Mm -hmm. I know that I recently on my blog covered something about swimming a dog. Right. And teaching a dog to swim, which is an unusual set of circumstances. And and some dogs take to it very easily. But most dogs, I'm here to tell you, I swim a lot of dogs. And most dogs don't, even if if they end up loving it, at first there is some anxiety involved in getting in the water. And one of the ways that I was trying to convey on my blog, and and that's why I wanted to do a a podcast about right. this was that when you're telling your dog, when you have the dog, let's say on the first step, and I talk about how you keep them on the first step for a short period of time, and you talk to them and you try to help them. When you try to help your dog, one of the worst things you can do is say, "It's okay, it's okay, I know. it's because right. there's stress in your voice." God, I can hear it from now. Please stop oh, from now, from uh, here. It sounds like yes, yeah. it sounds like whining. whining. If you yeah. if you took the if you took the words out of what I was saying, oh, oh, it doesn't sound okay. Right, it sounds right. really anxiety as opposed to good boy you're right. good nice job you're doing so great that's oh, nice. that's so excellent for you right good for you there is a difference in that sound you can stay calm and mm-hmm. and you can keep your voice soft with you don't have to go okay well if i'm going to sound enthusiastic then i have to go into good boy good boy which when a dog is really in high anxiety that can cause it's, its own right, problems right, <laughs> right so you have to learn to take your stress and anxiety out of the situation and the way to do that i think that's helpful is to keep your messages about positive so when i'm talking when i'm working with a dog that is anxiety ridden and you probably do something very similar oh i'm sure i do (laughs) which is instead of saying it's okay it's okay Mm -hmm. because it doesn't sound okay right if you listen to my voice i will say nice job you're good nice i give them positive messages and those positive messages help me keep my voice where it needs to be yeah it's kind of like a biofeedback type of thing if you're dropping your dog off for something that you think that they're going to be a little uncomfortable about if you're dropping off at the groomers or at the vets or something like that one of the things that you can do is remember that your voice inflection gives them a huge amount of information so rather than doing it's okay i'll be back i'll be back which does not sound very happy right 
which does not, you know, it sounds really like scary and bad and like this can't be okay. Right, especially when it's a neutral situation for the dog. Right. The dog has never been in it before, so he has no kind of expectation in that situation. So he's taking your his cues from yes. you. Yes. Yeah. So if you're taking your dog to the groomer or wherever, like you're going to leave him there, and you start doing that, or even to the vet, even when you are going to be there, and you, you know, have these preconceived notions that it's going to be horrible for your dog, and for your dog it's just a neutral situation. Situation, you can affect it one way or the other. You sure can. You can change the way that they feel about it. So one of the ways that you can fix that is when you go to drop them off at a new place. Oh, hi. Say hi. Isn't this fun? Yes, hey, good. Let's absolutely. go see your new best friend. That's right. Keep your messages positive. The words are only important because they guide you on how you are supposed to be sounding. So I do use a lot, especially when I'm training and when I'm working with people, I use a lot of words about positive. I will will actually speak what I want them to sound like. Good. You're going to say hi? This is a good person, huh? Yeah. Well, I don't think that the dog knows those words. No. But what he does know... You're narrating for the person. That's right. The reason is because I want them... What I'm doing is keeping my voice where the dog... The dog is picking up on my voice for sure. But the person, I want them to get it, that they need to send out positive messages. Right. Because their voice will follow the words. Right. Their voice will follow their messages. We tend to speak what we're thinking. We Mm -hmm. tend to use a voice inflection that reflects what we're thinking. So that was actually what originally got me thinking about this. Right. Was people... When they would drop a dog off in an unusual situation, oh, it's all right. It's okay. Mama will be back. Right. And I'll say to them, okay, that sounds really dire and terrible, and I wouldn't feel very comfortable if it were me. And you were saying, let's say that you went to a foreign country and you did not speak their language and somebody was delivering a message to you, the words of which you did not understand. Right. But the look on their faces... And their body language and their sound, their voice inflection was that. You probably would think... Uh oh! This can't what did I get good. myself into? Right? Yeah, this that's can't a be really good. excellent analogy. Thank you. It's what I use all the time. I tell right. people: imagine yourself plopped down in a country where you do not understand the language, where the words do not have meaning, and then just figure out how you would take your cues, and your cues would come largely from voice inflection, facial expressions, body language. Right. That's how your you would pick up your cues. So you have to think of your dog that way. Anyway, that's uh, we're really running long here, but I just had Sorry. to get well. I just had to get that in there, well, yeah. Because I, I think that's so, and important. it was very useful. I think it is important, and I yeah. think if if people really pay attention to that, that they will find that they can change their dog's experience, yeah, based on the way that they deliver their message. So remember, you know, in closing, no. It's okay, because it's okay sounds like anything but okay. Right. It sounds terrible. The opposite. <laughs> it sounds, it's the anti-okay. You could be saying, this is going to be really bad. You're in trouble now. I know. This is scary. <laughs> oh, no, we could die. Oh. That's, that's right. Right. That's right. All right. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of our podcast. And this is Laura Berhini from Animal Attraction Unlimited. And I'm Kim Reinhart with Ain't Misbehaving Canine. Thank you for joining us. Bye. Bye. You have been listening to Doggy Dish, a podcast series about dog training and other related issues. To suggest a topic for a future segment, please email us at dogdishtopics at yahoo.com. To learn more about our featured trainers, or if you're interested in training for your own dog and you live in the Los Angeles area, you may contact Laura or Kim directly. To speak with Laura, call 818 800 4818 
or visit her website at www.petdogtrainer.com. To speak with Kim, call 818-890-1133 or visit her website at www.beagooddog.com. Thank you for listening.